everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half of the show joining me as always is my co-host, Mark A. Righty Johnston. Mark, how you doing? You know, I got lots of nicknames. Uh, this one's not bad. Righty actually fits. Uh, when you were calling me lefty, I was trying to figure out what I have that's left-handed that is actually better than my right, and I couldn't come up with anything. So I think righty's more fitting. Yeah, I mean, you've been sent to get left-handed baseballs before, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had to go look for those uh, and when I was looking for the key to the batter's box. All right. Well, we've got a lot to do today. We've got a lot of stuff to get into. This is a Tales from the Dugout episode, too. So we've got a couple of shorter stories here after we get through BP. And then, Mark, this week, we're going to open some normal packs of baseball cards. Last week, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, last week we did the, the minor leagues, which was uh, interesting. It was a foray into the unknown. Yeah, we'll we'll probably have to tweak that a little bit before we revisit opening minor league packs. <laughs> let's get right into it, Mark. Uh, let's get right into BP because uh, I am, you know, I'm trying to get in shape for fantasy camp coming up in, in January. So I got to get all the BP in that I can. I need a lot of work, a lot of infield and BP. So let's get right into it. Well, I'm happy to help, man. This is a name that we've mentioned in the past, especially during our Fernando Valenzuela episode. But unfortunately, Mike Brito passed away last week. Now, the name might not jump out at you, but if you are a fan of baseball from the 80s and the 90s, you know exactly who this guy is if you ever watched a game at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep, he was the scout, and, uh, well, he was a scout, but he also held that radar gun right behind home plate at Dodger Stadium with his fedora, his sunglasses, and a big stogie sticking out of his mouth every single game. A true character of baseball. It was. You know, I remember when I started in Atlanta, working in the camera well right behind home plate, we had a cameraman, myself, and an actual human holding a radar gun that was for the in-stadium display. So it would show the speed of the pitch. As uh, a couple years into my into my job there, they were eventually replaced by a metal arm <laughs> attached to the attached to the post there. Oh uh, no, technology. Yeah, Mike Brito was around for a long time holding that True. radar gun. We mentioned that he is uh, a scout. He is the one who discovered Fernando Valenzuela. You know, that was back in the 70s. He also discovered Julio Urias. Oh, who, I did not know that. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy is, uh, first of all, he's a lifer. But sure. uh, he has uh, done a, you know, he was a great scout for, for many, many years. So, 44 years he was employed by the Dodgers. So, RIP Mike Brito. Had a historic defensive play last week, Mark. Yeah. It was, it was a triple play. And it was scored eight to five. That's awesome. The first triple play ever, eight to five. <laughs> what a shock. Yeah. Now, a triple plays, you know, it's, it can either be those bang, 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 you know, around the horn kind of things, or it can be something that takes a little bit longer from the outfield. Nobody has ever recorded an eight five triple play before. And it can only really be accomplished with some really bad base running. Right, that makes sense. <laughs> there were there were so many people, so many bases ahead of where they should have been that it actually was a pretty easy triple play. But uh, that was fun to watch, uh, something that you don't see very often. 
the old eight five. I think I've heard it discussed in some of the uh, baseball lore and legend books. Yeah, you know the the scoring baseball scoring program that I'm responsible for that you at the Mariners and several other teams use. I think I'm going to put a quick score button of an 8-5 yes. triple play. 8-5 triple play, just put it in there, man, so I don't have to look for it. <laughs> uh, a lot of position players pitching this year in blowouts. I'm I'm sure if you are on social media, boomers are complaining about this every single game, saying they're making a mockery of baseball. How dare they? This is embarrassing. You know, I don't care. It's If it's a blowout, keep your bullpen, you know, healthy. Yeah, I agree. It's there's rules in place now that you can only do it if I think it's seven runs is the lead in the last like three innings or something. I I don't care. It's it's driving me nuts on on social media with mainly older former players complaining about it. But you know, I was looking at pitch pitcher usage in games. What is it? What do you think is the highest number of pitchers that a team has ever used in a single game? Wow. Um... That is a great question. I'm going to go with, I mean, when you, th- you think about it now, nowadays you've got how many pitchers on per team? Well, also now, you know, we've got expanded roster. Absolutely. Uh, to start this season is beyond 26. I think it was 27 and you could have extra guys in the bullpen. So you got to think, I mean, just until a year or two ago, the roster was 25 and before right. that, you know, in the in the 80s, it was 24. I mean, it keeps getting larger and larger. But the largest number of pitchers ever used in a game by a single team has been done four times. Interesting. And uh, all of it in the last couple of years. And that's 13. Wow. 13 players. Wow. The first time this was done was uh, Colorado and L.A. in 2015. And then in 2019, it happened three times in a game. Wow. So the game that really intrigues me here is this one. It's the uh, Giants hosting the Rockies from 2019, September 24th. The Giants used 13 pitchers. The Rockies used 12. Wow. Wow. 25 different pitchers were in this game. The game went 16 innings, so you can see My goodness. Five and a half hours it lasted. And uh, none of those pitchers, though, were uh, were position players. They were all actual pitchers. No kidding. That's that's insane. That's a lot of baseball and a lot of pitchers. I can see why that one took so long. Uh, another one from 2019, Arizona and St. Louis. This one went 19 innings. So you're getting you're getting an idea of why there were so many pitchers used. But the yeah. D-backs, with the win... Use 13 pitchers, as the Giants did with their win. So I guess if you use that many pitchers, you deserve to win. I guess so. That's that. I, I mean, to have that many pitchers on your roster in the first place yeah. is impressive. Yeah, I'm thinking some some starters might be getting an inning or might be getting their side work in. Yeah. In the actual game there. Yeah, exactly. So we talk about Keith Hernandez. I'm a huge Keith Hernandez fan. I am all on board with him getting, you know, Hall of Fame consideration. I think he should be in, in the Veterans Committee. Well, Scott Boris, who I guess is still his agent. I mean, I, I guess you need an agent. He he works in radio, you know, and or not radio, and TV. And I guess you still need an agent. I don't think of Scott Boris as being a agent for somebody that's not playing anymore. But Scott Boris is going full bore with Keith Hernandez for the Hall of Fame. Oh, nice. He's sending out press packets. He is, uh, you know, those binders that he's famous of. Probably not that much information. 
but he's sending out a lot of information about Keith Hernandez and how every other player with 11 consecutive gold gloves is already in the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. He is statistically the best defensive first baseman of all time, and every other position's leader is in the Hall of Fame except for Keith. So for mm. once, I'm going to get behind Scott Boris here and, and root for what he's doing. See, I'd be with you, except it's the Scott Boris thing that's holding me back now. Yeah, I know that's that's a rough part. But. Plus, I have I've had a nice encounter with Keith Hernandez. He was, a, you know, it was very pleasant. I have uh, had an embarrassing encounter. Well, I guess you have too. You've had a couple. <laughs> of, yeah, we again, we're not going to go into those, but uh, I'm rooting for it. All right, Lars Newtbar update. Now we are recording this show very early compared to what we normally do. Oh yes. This Lars Newtbar update may be a little bit out of date. Probably not with the amount of playing time he's been getting lately. But uh, as of today, he is still in the big leagues. He's doing a very good job keeping that bench warm. Since mm-hmm. our last show, four at-bats. That's it. One hit. That moved his average to 151 and a 221 on base. He's like their eighth outfielder at this point. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. He just needs playing time. That's all I'm saying. All right, this show is debuting on July 12th. I got a couple of, actually, I've got quite a few debuts for today, but most of them will be pretty short except for these first two. So first of all, today, July 12th, 1890, Unknown Lewis made his debut in uh, the big leagues. <laughs> what a name. Yeah, Unknown Lewis. In his lone game in the big leagues, he took the loss for the Buffalo Bisons, which I looked up because I would have thought bison would be the plural of multiple bison. But yeah. uh, either bison or bisons is acceptable. Oh, so okay. The now Buffalo, I know. Yeah, now you know. The uh, Buffalo Bisons, he took the loss. Good old unknown started the game. He only went three innings. He gave up 13 hits, 20 runs, all of which were earned. He Ooh. walked seven and struck out one. He's had, well, I don't, I, maybe he didn't have better outings. This was his only yeah. game in the big leagues. Uh, yeah. He also gave up three home runs, though, which in 1890, like most teams had three total home runs for the entire season. Yeah, really? That, that's a accomplishment. Yeah, he uh, he gave up a lot. He did finish the game in the field, though, because they only had nine players at this point. Ah, so he yes. did go out into the outfield. I could not find a box score for this game, but the Bisons zzz, lost to the Brooklyn Wards Wanderers. Oh, no. That's a mouthful there. Not many teams have a have a apostrophe in their team name either. No, this gonna, is true. The final score, 28 to 16. Mm. So I had to go to the Library of Congress website to actually find any semblance of a box score for this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging deep. I'm doing it. I'm putting in the work. Though he was usually a catcher, not a great one, but uh, playing this game in right field for the Bisonses was none other than Cornelius Alexander Mack. Wow. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Uh, A Hall of Famer was in this game. I did, when I was looking up the plural of Bisonses, I found a dad joke that made me laugh, so now I have to tell it. What did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he dropped him off at school? Tell me. Bison. <laughs> no, mine are better than that. Come on. <laughs> that was, I, I, I thought that was funny. Uh, also making his debut today, July 12th, 1973, the Cobra, Dave Parker. There you go. 
Yeah, National League MVP in 1978. A, a year, by the way, he did not make the All-Star team. Weird. Yeah, that is because he made the All-Star team the year before and the four years after. But his MVP season, they said, you know, not good enough. That is crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, this was also his second of back-to-back seasons where he won the National League batting title. You know, when I think of Dave Parker, I think of massive home runs. Yeah, but power. Could hit for average as well. Lifetime 339 home runs, over 1,400 RBI, a 290 lifetime batting average with a 121 OPS plus. Parker had power. He could hit for average. He stole 154 bases in his career. Seven times he stole double digits. Wow. And at one point, he had back-to-back 2020 seasons with home runs and stolen bases. Fantastic. I mean, just a all-around complete player. Oh, yeah. No slouch on defense either with a gun of an arm. Oh, yeah, I'm getting there. And then, of course, there was his arm, as you were mentioning. His most famous highlight of all time might be his cannon from right in the 1979 All-Star Game, throwing out Brian Downing at the plate from deep in the corner in right field. Better, and baseball fans glad of it. Line drive, right field. We may have a play at the plate. Big hop. Here comes Downing. Here's the throw. It is. He knocked him off the plate. What a tag by Carter. A tremendous play by Carter. Oh, baby, what a play. And what a throw by Dave Parker, who continues to show why some people consider him the greatest player in the game. One big hop. Joe Gargiola, <laughs> former catcher, focusing on uh, yeah. the, the catching aspect. Right. And you know what? Here, this will blow you away. Guess who was at that game? Jimmy Carter. Close. Me. You were at, was this at the Kingdom? It was. I was 10 years old. Wow. Where were you sitting? Do you remember yeah. this play? I do. I totally remember it. I was in the right field line on the 200 level. We were about three rows back. My Uncle Don had traded in our crummy tickets. And went a bunch of money to some scalper for these really good seats. And I remember the ball down the line. I remember him coming up with it. He was right by the fence and just let it fly. And and the place went ballistic. It was awesome. I remember that really, really well. I remember Nolan Ryan pitching two innings. Well, that throw, I mean, it's very similar to Ichiro's throw in his first game in Oakland. I mean, oh, you yeah, could it, hang laundry on that thing. It's, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, that was uh, it, it's an all time highlight of an all-star game too and it's dave parker i got a lot more on him though he's a career 40.1 war he was also equally valuable in the fashion department he was living his best fashion life and you can find a lot of pictures of him just looking sharp or wearing the you know if me and the boys are bopping t-shirts also famous for wearing hockey masks and uh, wielding a sledgehammer in the on-deck circle that's right he's just as if he wasn't menacing enough when, you know, he, he had the broken jaw, I think it was, and he wore the hockey mask and a football face mask and he's swinging his sledgehammer. Just scary. Yeah, stuff. like a mythical, mythical person out there. Just like, going, wow, yeah. look at this guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to mess with him. Uh, <laughs> another all-star uh, moment, 1977. So the year before his uh, his MVP year, the first player in Major League Baseball history to wear two different batting helmets from two different teams, neither of which he played for in an all-star game. (laughs) His helmet was lost in transit, so he wore a Padres helmet as well as a Reds helmet in separate hat pads. 
kind of, I guess he's got big noggins, so kind of hard to find a good helmet for him. But he signed a large contract by the Reds. And while visiting his former team in Pittsburgh, the fans were not happy that he had signed this new contract and gone to a different team. And so a, uh, a story here says that they threw, quote, nuts and bolts and bullets and batteries at him. <laughs> But there was a typo in the news story, so it actually appeared to say that they threw car batteries at him, which, big fans, wow. if you can throw a car battery at anybody. How did they get him in the stadium? Yeah, I know, you'd think, you, you think security, they're heavy and they're kind of large, you couldn't really hide them. But yeah, I, I guess it was a typo, is what it actually was. <laughs> also, Big Dave, one of the big names associated with the Pittsburgh drug trial, speaking of Keith Hernandez, and uh, this is often mentioned as one of the reasons why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Currently, Parker has been battling Parkinson's disease for a couple of years, and uh, he continues to raise money to find a cure for it through his longstanding uh, Dave Parker 39 Foundation. So a couple of other quick uh, debuts from July 12th I wanted to mention. First, 1977, Terry Poole. Yes, nice. I mentioned this because last week on the 1988 Tops podcast, they told the story of Terry. So it was fresh in my mind. You should go listen to that episode if you don't listen to them every week already. They are, always have good stuff there. A couple of other ones I wanted to mention. 1987, Walt Weiss made his debut. Rookie of nice. the Year, Oakland A's. Third straight Rookie of the Year. Yep. 1990, hard-hitting Mark Witten. <laughs> that is just one of the best nicknames ever. Oh, it was, he was born to hit the ball hard. Yeah, That's he, right. It, one game he certainly did hit uh, oh, yeah. several balls hard. And then 1991, former, well, not, well, he's a former Mariner, but current Mariner manager, Scott Service, made his debut. Nice. All right, so that's going to do it for our BP segment. Grounds crew's already out here doing their stuff. They're the best grounds crew in the in the in the game. I mean, that's hands down. No other podcast has a better grounds crew than us. No, no doubt. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, it is a tales from the dugout episode. Uh, a couple of shorter things that uh, we don't have enough time. Well, we don't have enough content, I guess, to make them a full story. So, Mark, we've got a couple of things. I'm going to let you go first. You had a quick, a short one, and then a little bit longer one. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, and this is going to take about a minute, but I was uh, digging through some interesting stats on different sports, and I came across one of the the knocks against baseball is there's just no action. Well, I found this chart and it says that a baseball has about 25 minutes of time where the ball is in play during the course of a nine inning ball game. The NFL, when the ball is in play has 12 minutes of action where the ball is in play. So this whole idea about baseball, not having enough action, you can't be saying that if you're an NFL fan, because most of the time that clock runs, you guys are walking and meandering around the field. So let's let's knock off this whole baseball doesn't have enough action thing and let's look at the facts, right? Am I wrong here? You know, those kind of charts have been around for a while because I've seen those things before. I make no bones about it. I don't like football. I, I like basketball less. I don't like football at all. I have no pro I know most everybody loves it. That's great. Enjoy it. I just don't I don't like it. It's boring to me. And that's exactly it. The amount of timeouts and and commercials and mm -hmm. oh, there's a penalty. They're gonna have to talk about it. And yeah, it's just boring to me. I mean, baseball's meant to be slow. Yes. 
I'm, I expect it. Plus, I'm I'm looking at other things and I'm listening to other things. I'm sure this is the way the football fans feel, right? I'm sure so. I, I used to be a pretty big football fan, and, and it, that was the part that annoyed me was the time between plays where the clock was still running. I'm like, why are you? Why do you even have a clock? You know, it, why don't you just make when the it, clock wasn't running? Is what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like it was. It's a it's a weird game compared to baseball, and it it looks like it has a lot more action, but it really doesn't. It doesn't. But again, you know, I'm football fans. I know. Oh, I'm looking at the defense. What, you know, what formation are they in? Who, you know, what sure. package is this? Sure. That's the kind of stuff we look at as baseball fans. Oh, let's yeah. see where are they shading them. Uh, the runner on first, watch the, you know, shortstop, it, hold his glove up to his mouth. It, this boggles people's mind, baseball fan, you know, non-baseball fans. When I tell them this, I'm like, watch the shortstop. He's going to hold his glove up to his, to his mouth. And he's going to look at the second baseman. He's either going to keep his mouth shut or he's going to open it. And that's telling them, you know, Hey, who's covering and and this is where I'm going to go. All this kind of stuff that people that don't appreciate baseball, they just don't know about. Just like I don't know about football and I don't care to know about it. Yeah. To each their own. There you go. So I wanted to talk about this, Mark. Last week, there was a video of Chris Sale. He's he's in a rehab start for the Red Sox. And I think it was in Worcester. And he absolutely destroyed this minor league clubhouse's hallway to the locker room. He apparently ripped the TV off the wall. He's just throwing a tantrum because he had a bad outing on a rehab start. Now, remember, this is the guy who refused to pitch in a game because he did not like the turn back the clock jerseys. They were supposed to wear that day. And in the most adult move ever, cut up his jersey with scissors in protest. So... On social media, Red Sox fans are mostly calling this competitiveness. And I did the little air quotes there. Uh, While the rest of us know that he's just got a bad temper and he can't control it. I hate this for the same reason that I hated Brett Gardner always banging his bat on the roof of the dugout or whatever. I think this is one of my other baseball boomer takes. It's not even that you're a big leaguer, so you should act like one. It's just these guys, they're adults. They should act like one. And they... Cannot do it. And I I hate players like this. But this got me on a tangent of some famous baseball tantrums that we haven't talked about. We've played audio of a couple of the most famous triads like Tommy Lasorda when he was espousing his admiration for Kurt Bavacqua. That's, that's a good one. Uh, oh, I, yes. I wanted to talk about players, though, and some of the moments that they lost it in the clubhouse or hallways, basically out of the way of the camera. But the stories have come out and they're kind of legendary. So some of these stories are coming from one of my favorite baseball books from my youth. I've got it here in my hand. It's called Baseball Confidential. This book has been through the wars. I've had this <laughs> book and I've read this book so many times. It was published in 1988. Uh, I love this book because it was my first kind of insight to, you know, what goes on in the clubhouse and the dugout and that kind of stuff. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about a couple of the stories from here. And to nobody's surprise, George Brett factors prominently in several of these. And I'm not even talking about the pine tar game. Uh, there's this great story that is uh, told in this book, and it's told by Jamie Cork, which is Jamie. A- Men at Quirk. Men at Quirk. Oh, I like that one. I was going to go with a, like some science name. But <laughs> no, Jamie Men at Quirk. I haven't heard that. That's a good one. Uh, but this one is from uh, Quirk when he was a catcher and a teammate of Brett with the Royals. 
And he says, quote, one day at Royal Stadium, George made an out and charged into the tunnel where you could hear him beating a trash can with his bat. So uh, then there was silence. I didn't know what the heck was going on. So I went down the tunnel to investigate. There was George inside the trash can and all you could see was his head sticking out. Finally, he climbed out and played the next inning with trash all over him. (laughs) Wow. I can just see him, you know, you just see from his eyes up and he's got like a leaf of lettuce on his head or something. (laughs) A little bit of butter and yeah, that could be interesting. A mustard stain on his jersey when he goes out. This is another one. This is from Brett himself. He said uh, one of his greatest tantrums was in Baltimore in 86 when he struck out three times in two days. So he went down the runway and he saw a gallon of paint in a in a can and he kicked it and then he threw it against the wall and it exploded and paint went everywhere and uh, so he picked up the can and there was still some in there and he was so upset for a minute he thought about pouring it over his head <laughs> this is in the middle of the game mind you so then he chickened out though because he he had to go back out <laughs> and then he just he couldn't go back out with paint all over his head you know, and he was upset for striking out twice in three times in, three two times days. in two games. I mean, Joey Gallo strikes out three times in two at bat. Yeah. Another one here. Mike Heath. I know you've got an affinity for Mike Heath. I like Mike Heath uh, because he loves to try and fight guys that he has no business fighting. Absolutely. Does. <laughs> like Dave Winfield and Nolan Ryan and Pat Mahomes. Oh, and Pat. Well, you know, Pat Mahomes was not quite as intimidating as Dave Winfield or Nolan Ryan. I know. I was just there once when that happened. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get. Maybe that's a story we need to tell on on one of our watch up. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. All right. So I, this is a great tantrum by Mike Heath. So 1979. This is in the minor leagues in Tucson. The Tucson Toros is what I'm guessing. Love their logo and that team. And and Heath had a bad game. Afterwards, he came in and he wanted to destroy the team's soda machine. It's a vending machine. So he got a bat and he started wailing on it, but nothing was, he wasn't doing any damage to it. So he put the bat down. He went and got a screwdriver. He got all the screws loose that he could see on the front of this, picked up the bat, bam, he nails it. The front of the machine falls off. Then he picks up the screwdriver again, unscrews everything else he can find. Again, bam, with the bat, another portion of this thing falls down and he just systematically destroyed this vending machine. Which, you know, I get it. I want to do that sometimes, too. But yeah, at least there were no cameras, I guess, for this one. That's scary. That is uh, scary, the ingenuity there. But remembering these things and all these, these tantrums and seeing Sale reminded me of a story that I had read involving Ted Williams. So despite having some issues with race, mainly his own, Williams had a famously high level of respect for Negro League players. Mm -hmm. I think we've mentioned it in passing before. During his Hall of Fame induction speech, Ted Williams name-dropped Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson, advocating for their inclusion into the Hall of Fame, which had, I mean, that was never even a thought. Nobody had mentioned it, especially as a player being enshrined had never brought this up. Well, Williams actually faced Satch late in Paige's career when Paige was in uh, Major League Baseball. And Page dominated him in this at bat. He struck out Ted Williams with three straight fastballs. And Williams was so mad at himself 
for missing these fastballs that he smashed his bat against the dugout railing on his way back to the bench. Now, that bat is actually in the archives at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, and Satchel Paige's signature is on it. And that's because Williams respected Paige so much that after the game, he went and got his autograph on the bat. That is so cool. We don't tell a lot of Ted Williams stories like this. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, to strike out Ted Williams is something. To do it on three pitches is something. And to have it be three fastballs is almost unfathomable. Had the respect, went, wanted to meet him, got the bat autographed. A uh, couple of names that we love to talk about there. That's awesome. All right. So that's mine. Do you want to you do your last one? Sure. This won't, uh, This isn't going to take too long either, Jeff, um, but it's something we did a, a story on the history of uh, putting mud, Mississippi mud on baseballs and how that led to this new idea of pre-tacking or putting some uh, stickiness onto a, a baseball before it's even utilized in, in a game. We initially talked about how that was done in the Arizona Fall League. Some people liked it. Uh, it seemed to be fairly popular. They started using it in some double-A games this year, and and guess what? Not as popular. It's a little bit troublesome. Pitchers that are using it are saying it's kind of a pain. Uh, What's going on right now is there's two different gripping agents that they're using. Uh, One is from a small company called Chocolas, and their whole point is just to put together a tacked baseball or put some tacking stuff that isn't going to change the spin on the baseball so much as it is going to make give the uh, pitcher a little bit of control. The other company that is is making a tacky substance is, of course, Dow Chemical because they're involved in everything. So you got both of these being utilized in different in the same manner. Sorry, actually, MLB stopped the usage of the uh, agent in the Southern League after about two weeks because people weren't real happy with it. And uh, Texas leagues who were using the tacky substance are now going back to the mud baseball. Things kind of took a, a downturn as far as trying to, um, and you remember this, when they started checking pitchers, they had to get rid of, because spider tack was super popular and, and other stuff like that. It was pretty normal in the game to use some kind of a tacky substance. But The big thing I've seen recently, Mark, is that MLB is kicking around using a different source of mud than this uh, New Jersey mud that's been used forever. Yes, I saw that too, and uh, that's pretty interesting. It, they think it is actually going to be better for the ball uh, and the grip over the long run. Uh, another thing about it is that if uh, this is just something I thought of. Pitchers are always going to their mouth with their hand. You know, you step off the mound, you go to your mouth. Well, if they're using some kind of weird Dow chemical, I don't know if they want to be going to their mouth with that stuff all that often. But why would you want to go to your mouth if you're touching something that's muddy anyway? And just, well, mud is one thing. Well, I guess, Dow chemical is another. You know what? There's a lot of these guys, not so much anymore, but had so much chew in their mouth that oh, they yeah. probably was dead to anything. Yeah, this is true, too. But this is something across my mind. I also saw I, I put this link aside. I was going to maybe revisit it. You know, the, the rosin bags. Yeah. On the pitcher's mound. So forever. Until I think last year, those were just sanitary socks full of rosin Mm -hmm. that were tied off. Yes, that's what they are. They are now specifically made 
Every team uses the same ones. It is made from an actual, like, I don't know what the material is, but they, this is made and it's actually personalized and every team is, has to use this. There should be two on the mound, I believe. And it is made by one person, very similar to the New Jersey thing. Huh. One person here in Oakland. No kidding. Yeah, so I was even thinking about, I might just go down and visit this guy <laughs> to talk to him. <laughs> That's a cool idea. Yeah, so uh, I did not know that either, but it was just the club's responsibility to put uh, put a rosin bag inside of a sanitary sock, tie it up, and put it out there. But now uh, MLB is trying to, again, make everything uniform. So I thought that was interesting. Yep. Yeah, very much so. All right, that's going to do it for our Tales from the Dugout. This is version 26. Woo! That's a lot of Tales from the Dugout. This is We've also been around a while. This is also episode 173, though, so nice. it's a good ratio of tales to just normal episodes. But I agree, yeah. What that does mean, Mark, is that it is time to head into everybody's favorite segment. It's time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Heroes! All right, so I've had a run here. I am I'm mm-hmm. on a hot streak. We look at the scoreboard. I am up five to three, which I think might be my biggest lead ever in the history of the Wax Packs Heroes League. We'll see what we're happens struggling. here. <laughs> struggling in the Johnston uh, on the Johnston side. We yeah, don't know right. You pick here. it up. Uh, so this week we're going to go back to some regular packs. I've got a couple of packs of 97 Don Russ here. They have oh, 14 sweet. packs per card, so we'll each need to lose four. Let's go over the rules. If it is the uh, first time that you are listening to this, uh, we're going to open these packs. We're going to take the baseball reference war of the year of the packs. So in this case, 1997, a couple of extra qualifiers will add or subtract to that total. If they have anything on their face, anything, glasses, mustache, eye black, uh, if a daddy long legs has landed on their face, that counts. All of that, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're wearing real stirrups, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. But if you're wearing two-in-ones that uh, that we can tell are two-in-ones, that's a minus a tenth of a point of uh, of war. That's That, by the way, is a uh, something I'm trying to work around for fantasy camp. i got to be able to wear real stirrups and show them. And Oh, absolutely. You, can't, you cannot be a preacher of real stirrups and then not wear them at fantasy camp. Uh, some other stuff here. If they're wearing sweatbands that have their jersey number or their caricature on it, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point for each of those. Any of their final three seasons in the big leagues, they spent in a Mariners uniform where old players go to die. They're going to get I an know. extra tenth of a point for each of those wow. seasons. Wow. A little harsh, a little harsh. Yeah. Uh, we keep it real here. Two flaps or no flaps on a batting helmet, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. If you're batting without batting gloves, that's another extra tenth of a point. In the year that we're looking at, at this case, 1997, if you won an award, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, if you were an all-star or won a gold glove, you're going to get a half a point of war for each of those. If you're in the Hall of Fame or there is a Hall of Famer pictured in your card anywhere, you're going to get a whole, a whole point of war. If Ricky Henderson is on either of our cards, I get a plus five in the war department. And if Nolan Ryan is there, Mark, you're going to get a plus five. Uh, what year did Nolan Ryan retire? 
Uh, yeah, that would be 1993. I don't think we're going to see him. Yeah, I don't think we're going to. Well, I don't know. You know, you could get like a, a throwback card or that's a, true. Something. That's true. Not yes. as likely to get a Nolan Ryan as a Ricky Henderson in these. No, but, but uh, that's the rules. That's how it works. Uh, we each also get to pick a team. If uh, my team comes up in either pack, I get a half a point of war. If Mark's team comes up in either pack, he gets a half a point of war. So, uh, Mark, what team are you going to go with today? You know, I'm going to go with the Astros. Uh, if you're going to go with the Astros, a team that most people don't care for, uh, <laughs> I am going to go with a team that I, well, that employs somebody that I chastised earlier in this episode as being immature. I'm going to go with the Red Sox. Okay. All right, Mark, I got two packs here. I got one in my left hand and one in my right hand. Righty, which one would you like to pick? I'm going with the right I'm going to have you go first, as usual. There are 14 cards in this pack, Mark, uh, so you're going to have to lose four. Do you want to lose the top four or the bottom four? I'm going to lose, actually, this time the top four. I usually go with the bottom four, but not this time. All right, so let's open this up. The double sealed cards. Oh, got that crack in there. High gloss. All right, so this is, uh, you got some names here. Ruben Sierra. Here with Ouch. the Tigers. So that's at the end of his career, so that might not hurt that much. Uh, here's <laughs> the one of the few major leaguers you got last week in our minor league pack, Russ Davis. Oh, sure. Here with it the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, here with the Mariners. Uh, Daryl Strawberry here in Pinstripes. Ah. And the the big Marine, Matt Williams. Oh, my gosh. I did not pick the right Yeah, wow. those are, you know, I think the Ruben Sierra, you probably didn't miss a whole lot because it was the end. But there is some names there of some guys uh, that might uh, might help you. But, uh, all right, let's get into it here. This guy, I know uh, you're going to say, when the Mariners made their first big trade, this is who you got. It's a pitcher. Andy Benes, I remember. I was actually working in the minors when that went down. And we were all really excited because the Mariners had made a move to do something in the in uh, in the playoff run. Well, Rain Man, which I we've pulled him before, and I don't know why I've never seen that uh, that nickname. Rain Man, uh, let's see, spent 14 years in the big leagues, most of it with the Padres, seven with the Padres. Uh, that one year in Seattle was not one of his uh, final three. In 97, he was with the Cardinals. He went 10-7 and seven with a 3.1 ERA. Struck out 175 in 177 innings pitched. That's pretty good. A 135 ERA plus, and that equals a war of 2.4. That's okay. a good way to start out. Okay. He has got the high tops and the long pants, so I can't see anything on this card that's going to help you out. But a 2.4 is a very strong start. Very happy with that. Of course, I may end at 2.4. Well, that's much higher than than your total uh, last. Oh, yeah. All right. We've uh, we've talked about his uh, tipping and all that stuff before. So we're going to go to your next card, which I think you're going to you're going to probably finish higher than 2.4 with this card. All right. It is with the uh, Guardians, Man Ram, Manny Ramirez. Nice. He had some pretty big seasons. Uh, He really did. Played a very long time, both in the majors and kicking around some other places as well. 19 years, eight in Cleveland, eight in Boston, three in L.A., one in Tampa, one with the White Sox. But let's see, 1997, not an all-star year for Manny. He only hit 328 for the year. Mm. 415 on base. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. And a 144 OPS plus, 26 home runs, 88 RBI. 
Not a single award to his name here in 97. Wow. <laughs> For a 12-time All-Star, he he did not uh, he did not make it. He won two World Series, was an MVP, won a batting title as well for Boston in 2002. Boy, who were we talking about the other day when uh, they drafted uh, they drafted him? Oh, it was Brian Taylor. The Yankees drafted Brian Taylor instead of Manny Ramirez from Oops. their backyard. Yeah. Let's see. All of this equals a war of 4.6. All right. Uh, let's see. He's got absolutely nothing on this card that's going to help you, though. Well, the stats helped. Yeah, a 4.6. You cannot argue with that. I mean, that's not even close to his highest war in his career. In 1999, he had a 7.3. Woo! He had a 6.0 in 2002. That was his batting title year. And then he's got a lot of fours and fives so you're at seven even after two cards i mean that's that's a good start i'll take that any day uh, wow this is an incredible pack i'm not gonna lie you got a hall of famer wow he is a catcher his name is pudge and his name is not carlton fisk all right ivan ivan rodriguez let's see i rod i don't like that nickname i rod and i just uh, i'm tired of the rod nicknames by the way yeah. We need to come up with something better. We're just Everything's getting... Rod. J-Rod, K-Rod, B-Rod. Yeah. Is there an R-Rod? Because that's kind of weird. No, R-Rod doesn't roll off the tongue no, very easily. Really, really does not. Uh, let's see. 21 years in the big leagues, 13 with Texas, and then a handful with Detroit, and then a bunch of other teams at the end of his career. 1997, all-star. Good for you. Uh, go. Gold glove, also good for you. Got some MVP votes. Ended the season with a 313 batting average, 360 on base, a 114 OPS plus, 20 nice. home runs, 77 RBI, seven stolen bases. Did not walk a lot. I gotta say, looking at these walk totals, he didn't. He didn't strike out a whole lot either. He never struck out a hundred times in his career. Nice. Uh, overall, a 296 career batting average. Uh, obviously, a Hall of Famer. And wow, he has got your highest war so far I, I imagine his defense has something to do with that. yeah and this is this was actually his highest war of his career a 6.5 wow uh he's got a couple of 6.4s and some others in the sixes but 6.5 he's a hall of famer he's got two awards here so that will be an 8.5 and i don't see anything else on this card that's going to help you out very nice though i'll take that any yeah, day of the week. i mean that more than doubled your score <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Well, I don't think this is going to hurt you either. It's not a Hall of Famer, but it is Juan Gone, his teammate, Juan Gonzalez. Oh, he had some good years, too. Yeah, and, and they were with Texas here. So let's see if in 1997, if he was still with them, which he was. Juan Gone, three-time All-Star. Not this year, though. Did get some MVP votes. Hit 296, 335 on base, 42 home runs, 131 RBI. Ooh. And a 131 OPS plus. The next year, he led the league with 157 RBI. Goodness gracious. That is a lot of RBI. All of this equates to a war of 2.7. So I think his defense here probably hindered him. 2.7. Yeah, so. uh, let's see. He's got a mustache and he's got eye black there. So that will actually bring you up to a 2.9. Wow, another nice score there. Yeah, this is a good card because uh, Gone is in a uh, turn-back-the-clock jersey here. Oh, cool. Can't see his stirrups, though. Yeah, that's a 
what you're 18.4 after four cards yeah i mean you're Woo! you're <laughs> you're looking pretty good here oh okay so this is an interesting trade he was traded by the rangers with Dan- danny patterson and greg zahn to the tigers in exchange they got frank catalanato francisco cordero Bill Hasselman, Gabe Kapler, and Justin Thompson. So that is two current managers he got. Because Bill Hasselman is the acting intern intern manager of the Angels right now. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, some good years for for Juan Gonzalez. All right, let's see who else you got here. Here's a guy that's son has played in the big leagues. This is a good card. He's uh, he's looks like he's coming into third base, ready to round it, and his batting helmet has just fallen off. It's EY Eric Young. Oh, nice. Is he a Rocky that year? Yes, fifteen years in the big leagues, and well, his he's a Rocky in the picture. 1997, he started in Colorado and ended up in LA. For the season overall, let's see a 280 average, 359 on base. Eight home runs, 61 RBI, 45 stolen bases. That's nice. Nice. Uh, 71 walks, 54 strikeouts. Unheard of. Wow. Uh, especially in today's game. How does that happen? All of this equals a uh, OPS plus of 88. And let's see, this will equal a war of 2.3. Man, can't be stopped. He's usually got a mustache, but I do not see one in this. And... I don't see any sanitary, so I can't tell if those are just black socks or what. A 2.9, or what did I say? A uh, 2.4 is what you're going to go with. All right, let's see. That brings you up to 20.8. Next, you've got a guy. Wow, this guy had some good years for the Phillies, including those uh, those playoff teams. Jim Eisenreich. Wow, I haven't thought about Mr. Eisenreich in quite a while. Jim Eisenreich. That is a uh, tough name to spell. Yes, it is. Uh, boy, remember he was in, I think it, I want to say he was in Toronto, but no, he never was. He was with the Twins. Yeah, he came up with the Twins, played with the Royals, the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Dodgers, huh. which I, I don't know why I'm thinking he was on the, the Blue Jays. I remember him on all of these teams. I thought he was with all these teams a lot longer than he actually was. But let's see, 97. He was winding his career down, 38 years old at this point. He played for 15 years. This year with the Fish, he hit 280, 345 on base, two home runs, 34 RBI, a 92 OPS plus, and that still equals a positive. It's a .3 war. Not bad. .3, I'll take, yeah. Uh, 97, no wards. He did win a World Series that year with uh, with the Fish, but that is it. Let's see. You know, he's wearing real stirrups here. Which is a rarity at this point. They're very thin, too, so I had to look. But, yeah, I could definitely see they are they're on the outside of a sock. So you're going to get stirrup points there. That'll be a positive point four. I'll take that, too. Uh, he was part of that deal in 1998 where he was traded from the Marlins with Bobby Bonilla, Gary Sheffield, and Charles Johnson to the Dodgers for Todd Zeal and Mike Piazza. And then, of course, the the Marlins flipped Piazza after like five games or right. <laughs> Marlins legend. I think we've talked about Jim Eisenreich and his, his Tourette syndrome. Yep. Where he actually retired voluntarily for a couple of years before coming back. When he did retire, though, he was replaced by Kirby Puckett in Minnesota. That's a good player, too. Yeah. All right, so you're at uh, 21.2. got four cards left. Next, you've got Pittsburgh Jermaine Allensworth. 
There is a name I have not heard for a very long time. I remember Jermaine Allensworth. That's one of those names. This is why I really enjoy doing this, is remembering a name like Jermaine Allensworth. Only four years in the big leagues. He played for three teams in four years. Yeah. In 1997, this was his second year in the big leagues. He spent the whole year with the Bucks, 255 average, 340 on base, not too bad. Three home runs, 43 RBI, 14 stolen bases. His first three years in the big leagues, he had double digits in stolen bases each year. That is good for a 77 OPS plus and a war of minus one. Ouch. Ouch. Now, he does have real stirrups on, though, so... You know, congrats to him, but that's going to be a minus point nine for you. Ouch! First round, uh, let's see, first round draft pick by the uh, by the Bucks in nineteen ninety three. Something pretty interesting I'm seeing on here. Uh, it says on his Wikipedia page, Allensworth was portrayed by Tracy Morgan in a sketch in a nineteen ninety seven episode of Saturday Night Live. What Who? kind of a sketch needed someone to play Jermaine Allensworth? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna put a we're gonna dog ear that. That's that's interesting. And next week we are gonna have to explore this skit because if they are having cast members portray Allensworth, I, I gotta think. <laughs> I gotta think that they've got some other. Maybe they had uh, the, some other major league players there, and I, I don't. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to look that up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Why? Hey, who's gonna play uh, Jermaine Allensworth in this skit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're at twenty point three. Your next card. Wow. Uh, well, this is later in his career, so it might not be as helpful. It's Wally World. Wally Joiner. Wally Absorbing Joiner. Nice. All right. Let's see. Wally, a BYU alumni. Uh, let's see. Sixteen years in the big leagues. Seven of it with the Angels, four with the Royals, four with the Padres, and then one very unforgettable year with the uh, with the Hammers in Atlanta in 2000. I was there for that, and I don't even remember it. Uh, let's see, an all-star one time in his career. It was not 1997. It was actually his rookie year of 86, where he came in second in the rookie of the year balloting. Let's see, in the year 1997, he was with the Padres at 327 average. Wow, 390 on base, 13 home runs, 83 RBI, a 135 OPS plus, and a 35-year-old Wally Joyner with a 3.7 war. Wow. Very nice. Nothing on this card is going to help you out, but a 3.7 from Wally Joyner is not bad. I'll take that. Ah, so this Padres trade, he was traded to Atlanta from the Padres with Reggie Sanders and Kilvio Veras. I definitely remember both of them on Atlanta. And he was traded for Brett Boone, Ryan Klesko, and Jason Shale. Shale? And I remember this trade. I just do not remember Wally Joyner. I definitely remember Reggie Sanders because he took forever to get in the box. <laughs> and yes, I remember did. I liked Kilvio Veras. <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember Wally Joyner at all while I was there. But... Huh. Uh, Here's something interesting about Mr. Joyner. He was the top hitter in Puerto Rico's Winter League in the 85-86 season. He won the Triple Crown. He hit 356, 14 home runs, 48 RBIs in 54 games. I, I mean, the bad. guy could hit. Oh, yeah. Now, I would have never, I didn't even think about this. Joyner was listed in the Mitchell Report. Ooh. I can't believe that. That's surprising, yeah. Well, here it is. As At age 36, his career 
Beginning to decline, he asked Ken Caminiti how to obtain them. He took three pills before deciding not to continue. Hmm. So he must have gotten tested right away. Or it was just this story came out, and that's why he was in the report. Yeah, interesting. All right, sir, you're at 24 even. I like that number. Wow. Uh, You got two cards left. Here's another name I don't think we've had before. I haven't thought of for a while. With the Dodgers, Todd Hollinsworth. Yeah, I don't remember that one coming up. Let's see. Todd Hollinsworth, Newport High School in Bellevue, Washington. There you go. And rookie of the year, I believe. Uh, Let's see. Yep, rookie year with the Dodgers in 96. You just missed out. Uh, Because he had a little bit of a sophomore slump in 97, as they normally do. Uh, Let's see. Todd played for 12 years in the big leagues. Half of it were with the Dodgers. In 97, he hit 247, 286 on base. Wow, that is not so good. Four home runs, 31 RBI. Walked 17 times in 106 games. Uh, 75 OPS plus, and that equals a war of .1. So one A, it's a positive. You're there. Yeah, nothing on this card is going to help you out, but <laughs> you're not you're not going in the wrong direction. Hollinsworth has likewise been traded for Ga- for Gabe Kapler. I think we're going to do an all traded for Gabe. Kapler. Yeah, I think Gabe Kapler was traded at one point for everybody in baseball. You mentioned he was rookie of the year, the fifth consecutive rookie of the year by the LA Dodgers. Oh, Five in a row. Eric Karros, Mike Piazza, Raul Mondesi, Hideo Nomo, and Todd Hollinsworth. How is that? How's that for a run and then never winning a World Series? Man, that, With yeah, those that's guys. crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mark, your, your final card, 24.1. Uh, you're probably going to get some good points out of this. It is pitcher for the Cardinals, Donovan Osborne. Oh, yeah. He had, uh, he had some good times, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think he had some good. Well, I don't think. I know he had some good years in the National League. Let's see, Donovan Allen Osborne, nine years in the big leagues. A lot of injuries, though. Not going to lie. <laughs> Looking at his, his baseball reference page here, there are a lot of blank years where oh, wow. it says injured, did not play. Nine years overall in the big leagues, seven with St. Louis. 1997, he did play. He started 14 games, three and seven mark with a 4.93 ERA. Struck out 51 in 81 and a third innings. That's good for an 85 ERA plus. And that is a war of exactly 0.0. <laughs> well, he didn't hurt me. Yeah, he didn't hurt you. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out either. Uh, he was a first round draft pick by the Cardinals in 1990. Hmm. All right, Mark. So that's a really good score. That is a 24.1 for you there. Uh, I got my work cut out for me. And uh, hopefully you had some good names there too. Uh, that was yeah, that was that was pack. a fun one and, and and scored a lot of points for me. So I'm I'm impressed. So let's. Oh, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the bottom four uh, cards here, just because your bottom four were definitely not as impressive as your top four. Mm, yeah. This is one of two things that you can control in this game: is <laughs> what right. pack and uh, what card you're going to lose. So, oh, this one might hurt. Let's see. I'm going to lose with the Hammers, Jermaine Die. Okay. I'm going to lose Sean Estes. That one probably won't hurt as much. No. Definitely won't hurt as much as this Hall of Fame pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, Mike Messina. Oops. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that was. And uh, Donovan Osborne. (laughs) Wow. So, I'm just warning you. (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so i can see half of my pack is exactly your pack the back the back half what really yes uh i see todd hollinsworth uh i see uh oh wait maybe not somebody different but then here's juan gonzalez i I hope i hope irod's in here 
Yep, he is. All right. Uh, and Manny. <laughs> and oh Bess. This is going to go quick. Yeah, so this will be quick. But I'm feeling good because most of your big, big score guys are in my pack. Right. <laughs> Just figures. All right. So uh, let's see here. We got first leading off with the uh, Blue Jays is Alex Gonzalez. This is a great card that I will uh, describe here uh, in a minute. Let's first get into Alex Gonzalez. All right. So Alex Gonzalez played for 16 years in the big leagues. Unfortunately, 1998 was his first year where he appeared in the big leagues. So I'm not going to get any uh, any war from him. He is wearing some flip down sunglasses. So I guess I won't be in the negative. The card, however, this is a great card because he is uh, I think he's a shortstop here and sliding in headfirst. Obviously, a stolen base attempt. Losing his helmet is Kenny Lofton. Oh, nice. That's a great-looking card right there. I'm uh, I'm going to frame that one. No value to me. I'm only going to get that uh, the flip-down points there. But uh, Alex Gonzalez, 245 lifetime ERA, 79 ERA plus, and uh, his war for his career, 9.4. And uh, we've gone through him before because there was an Alex Gonzalez who was an actor. Who likes to pose shirtless on his Instagram? So yeah, you saved those photos, right? Yeah, I there. All right, uh, we might get some Mariner uh, money on this one. Here he is, an outfielder for the Red Sox. It is Darren Bragg. Darren Bragg did uh, did he have a short career, average career? Darren Bragg played for eleven years in the big leagues. Okay, average. That's well, not bad. He came up with the Mariners. I thought okay. he ended his career at the Mariners, but no, he came up with them. Uh, let's see, eleven years in the big leagues, three with Boston, three with Seattle, and then a handful with a couple of other teams. Nineteen ninety-seven, he was with Boston. Boy, he played every day. Hit 257, 337 on base, nine home runs, 57 RBI, 10 stolen bases, and 87 OPS plus. And that equals a war of 3.5. He has got eye black on here, but uh, that's going to be all that's going to help me there. So that will be a 3.6, which I'm not going to be angry at. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, he was traded by the Mariners to the Red Sox for Jamie Moyer. Oh, okay. That worked out. Yeah, that was the only time he was ever traded. Interesting. He played for how many teams? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. And he was only traded one time. That's really interesting. That's a lot of, uh, you know, thanks for your service, Darren. I think we're going to (laughs) go. The team's going to go in a different direction next year. Here's a handshake and a nice watch. Yes. Well, we need the watch back before you leave. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Uh, now has uh, a company called the Hit Club in Connecticut, where he works with. Uh, oh, it's basically hitting school. It sounds like <laughs> this. This made it sound like he was helping kids with schoolwork, and now uh, he's just he's a hitting coach. Uh, let's see. My next card. Oh, you're gonna like it. Third baseman for the Cardinals. Oh wait, uh, I forgot. Darren Bragg's on the Red Sox. That's my team. Oh, that's right. Bonus points. Yeah, I'll take that half a point. All right, next we've got uh, St. Louis Cardinal at the at the hot corner, Gary Gaetti. Oh, man, Mr. Mr. Triple Play. Yeah, we were talking about triple plays earlier. That's right. Gary Gaetti, he was uh, he was involved in the uh, around the horn type of triple plays more than that's the right. bad base running triple plays. Yes, and never, I don't think, involved in an 8-5 triple no, play. No, I don't think he was ever that five in the 8-5. Gary Gaetti, 20 years in the big leagues. 
Like, so when you're in the big leagues for 10 years, you get that golden lifetime golden pass where you and a guest can get into any stadium for any game, regular season game, right? Yeah. 20 years, do you get like a double lifetime pass? You should. Like a, like if you get a life sentence, you can have two life sentences. You get two two golden passes. Yeah, well, that would be like ordering two all-you-can-eat buffets for yourself. Well, Gary Gaetti gets it. Let's see. Uh, of those 20 years, half of them were with Minnesota, where he came up in 1981. 1997 with the Cardinals. Let's see, 251 average, 305 on base, 17 home runs for a 38-year-old. But, I mean, this was this was right in the wheelhouse where everybody was hitting double digits. 69, right. nice, RBI, and an 85 OPS+. Plus. Uh, this is all good for a 1.9 war. Uh, oh, boy. You know what? No, those are Easton sweatbands. I thought they might be caricatures, but they're Easton. So nothing on this card is going to help me out. So that'll just be a positive 0.9. 1.9, I'm sorry. That'll take me up to 6.1. So we, you know, we were talking about the lack of trades for Darren Bragg. Gaetti was selected by the Twins in the first round of the 79 draft was never traded in his entire major league career. And he huh. played for six different teams. That's just odd. I don't yeah. I, I don't know if we've seen anything like this before. Uh, so this is interesting. Bill James noted uh, about Gaetti's aging process. Says, unlike most league veterans, his walk rate never improved. And his rate of productivity decline was exceptionally slow. Hmm. So he didn't walk, but he was a usable he was a serviceable player his entire career is what he's saying yeah interesting all right my uh, next player is a pitcher here with the royals tim belcher belcher i remember with oakland and uh, the dodgers uh i think is is tim belcher related to bob belcher of bob's burger fame oh i'm sure they're both uh they're both cartoons yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see tim belcher's got a world series ring from 1988 we don't want to talk about that. Uh, Tim Belcher, 14 years in the big leagues, five of it with the Dodgers, who he came up with. In 97, he was with the Royals, as I mentioned. Let's see, 13 and 12, Mark, 5.02 ERA and 32 starts, 213 and a third inning, struck out 113. That's a 93 ERA plus, and that equals a 1.1 on the war scale here. Nothing on this card is going to help me out, so I'm just chipping away right now. We got to get to the big guns though here soon. Wow! So Tim Belcher was traded a lot. <laughs> he was involved with uh, trades. The A's sent him to the Dodgers for Rick Honeycutt. That was a dark day in my history. Uh, mm. Was also then traded from the Dodgers along with John Wetland to the Reds for Eric Davis and Kip Gross. Huh. Now, this is interesting. The picture on his Wikipedia page is from the White House visit after the '88 World Series. He's standing by Nancy Reagan. Who is not wearing a red suit? Mm. That's what she was famous yes. for. I like, just see they dressed up like little orphan Annie all the time, didn't she? I have no idea, man. <laughs> oh, you know what, Tim Belcher? We got to talk about this. He was uh, on the kicking end of a Chan Ho Park <laughs> kick. <laughs> oh, okay. He was he was involved in that when uh, Chan Ho Park claimed that Belcher tagged him too hard on the play down the first baseman line. And apparently Park says that Belcher used a racist phrase and Ooh. that's what caused Park to kick him. That's not cool. I know 
can't we can't confirm that, but I don't know why we wouldn't take Shano Park's word for it. But all right, so I'm at seven point two, and Mark, now we're going to get into the point here where it's basically your cards. I think there might be one or two differences here. So first will be Andy Bennis, who we've already gone over his stats. A two, uh, I'm sorry, a four point one war for me there. So I'll take that. That'll bump me up to eleven point three. Then yeah, your next card, as was mine, is Manny Ramirez. <laughs> and uh, let's see, in 97 this year, Manram had a 4.6. Nothing else on this card is going to help me out, but I'm, I'm making great strides here. I'm at 15.9. Uh, next, Hall of Famer Yvonne Rodriguez. You're silent. You're stewing over yeah, there. I, I, I'm going, how did all my players end up playing for you? <laughs> I This is, you know, this is a a, a Cleveland Spiders, uh, St. Louis Browns type thing. This is how, you know, how the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates got their name. I'm pirating all your players. That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right. So let's see a 6.5 for Yvonne Rodriguez this year. He's a Hall of Famer, an all-star, and he won a gold glove. So let's see, that is an 8.5. Remember, Uh-oh. you finished with a 24.1. I am now at 24.4. We just don't quit, is what I'm saying. Uh, I hear you. Next, Juan Gonzalez, who uh, get, got some good points too. Let's see, in uh, 97, we both get a 2.7. He has eye black and a mustache, so that's a 2.9. My next card is one that you did not. Okay. Yeah. Somehow I've got a Osvaldo Fernandez hmm. before Todd Hollinsworth. Oh, no. You got the Donovan Osborne. So I'm missing Donovan Osborne. And it was replaced with Osvaldo Fernandez. That's funny. If you would ask me, who would you replace Donovan Osborne with? I would have said Osvaldo Fernandez. I, <laughs> I'm going to guess <laughs> that they probably are pretty similar here in terms of of their stats but i don't know i don't want to i don't want to speak out of turn okay so osvaldo remember he was cuban he was one of the the first cuban players along with uh el duque and and those kind of guys yeah Uh, yeah. just coincidental his agent joe cubas (laughs) (laughs) uh let's see 97 for the giants three and four in 11 games a 4.95 era 84 era plus and that will be a war of minus 0.7 wow really (laughs) so uh not helping me i think i got a big enough lead i'm not too worried because then uh our final card well my final card is todd hollandsworth by the way, uh, that reminds me. I love eggs Benedict and the Hollandsworth sauce. That's great stuff. Let's see. Todd Hollandsworth uh, war was a point one, and uh, nothing else on this card is going to help me or hurt me. So that finishes me at twenty six point seven. Now Oy. shifting the beads here on my abacus, that tells me that I have won yet again. I don't know what to do anymore. Man. This is. We, I mean, this is just what had. This is me. Every other year is what you're going through. But, I'm uh, telling you right now, we're having a closed door meeting. And well, I you said that the last two weeks. No, this is a real one. We had the door open. The you're going to, you got to fire somebody. Somebody's going, somebody's going home. Yeah. You got to fire a coach. All yeah. right. So that is six to three. I am ahead. And that is going to wrap up this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. Looking at the clock in the two strike noise studio. That's also going to wrap up this episode. 
uh, for the week. It's a Tales of the Dugout. It's been fun. If you can't get enough of us, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We can be found at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all those things. You can find us there. And if you prefer a, a handwritten sentiment with a keyboard, you can reach us at a Gmail account that Mark uh, likes to maintain. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Two strike noise at gmail.com. Feel free to write. We don't always get back to you immediately, but we promise to get back to you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. We will see you next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.